Boss Uncaged is a weekly podcast that releases the origin stories of business owners and entrepreneurs as they become uncaged trailblazers. In each episode, our hosts, S.A. Grant and guests construct narrative accounts of their collective business journeys and growth strategies. Learn key success habits and how to stay motivated through failure, all while developing a boss uncaged mindset. Break out of your cage and welcome our host, S.A. Grant. Welcome, welcome back to Boss and Cage Podcast. So today's guest is going to be interesting because offline we were talking about common denominators of other people that I've interviewed that he's known. And so it's kind of like with the whole podcasting community, how it kind of compounds on itself, much like interest, right? So that gives you a little mm-hmm. allude to what we're going to be talking about. As you guys know, I like to name anyone I'm speaking to with a particular nickname. So on this show, I'm going to deem him the asset boss. So, Sari, without further ado, why don't you tell all audience a little bit more about who you are and what you do? Yeah, well, I say thank you. Thank you for having me on, first of all. I appreciate it. I appreciate being here. Uh, so I, um, I run a company called Financial Assets Protection. Um, pretty much it's a financial services firm. We're located in Chicago and we help clients in all 50 states grow wealth over time, protect their assets. Um, and I've been in this space for about six years. I also have a podcast called Thinking Like a Bank. And the, the point of the podcast is to show people how to think like a bank by applying the same strategies and principles that they use. We've had guests on who are real estate investors, bankers, CPAs, attorneys. Pretty much we want to cover every part of money there is and protecting money and growing it over time. Well, I mean, talking about money is also sexy as well, right? So, I mean, out of all the different segmentations of money you could talk about, like, why did you decide to speak more on the banking side? Yeah, so I think that it's the most important side because if you think of history and you think of, you know, who is, you know, the from all industries, which industry is the most lucrative and has the most money throughout history and will will continue in the future, and it's banking. Banks have the most money they are involved. A bank is almost an indirect partner of every business in the world, whether it's a hospital, it's a real estate firm, it's, you know, a government organization, whatever happens in this world and moves typically goes through a bank. So a bank is like almost partnered with everybody in the world. Uh, and, I, and, I, and I think it's because of the way they think and the things they know about the world and how uh, people operate and, you know, more of the mechanics and the philosophy, the philosophy behind it. So I wanted to learn more about that and like dig deeper into banking, the principles behind it and the strategies, not so much of actually starting an FDIC insured bank but more so of like how they think from a conceptual standpoint and how anybody could apply these strategies. Anybody could apply the strategies, not, not even if you're not in the financial services world, um, even if you are a teacher or a police officer or whatever you do for a living, you could apply the same strategies and principles that banks use. Nice, nice, very nice. So, I mean, I mean, th- th- that, that is a lot. So let's unpack that more yeah. so from your, like, your personal side, right? If you could define yourself in three to five words, what three to five words would you choose to define you? Uh, problem solver, um, passionate, and uh, let's see, and thinking. I like to think a lot. <laughs> I mean, but that definitely makes sense to, to, to who you are and why you went into like banking. So, like, let's take it back even further. Let's peel back some more yeah. of the layers, right? Like, were you like this as a kid? Did you grow up like <laughs> one of those kids? Like, you know, you walk around with like pennies in a bank account, counting every single dime, looking for what the investment value is going to be. What's the interest? Or were you just kind of grew into where you are right now? Yeah. So I used to, at a young age, was very curious about money. I was very, I, it, it grabbed my attention in school when I was like a freshman, sophomore in school. I would like 
take out a piece of paper and write minimum wage back then was like 550 an hour. So I would like literally take out a piece of paper, write 5.5 and then times like six times like three. I was just doing math like in school, like for my own, like money wise, not like for algebra or anything like that, you know? Uh, so I was definitely very involved in like thinking a lot as a, at a young age and problem solving and like trying to think of like different ways to become like very wealthy. Um, I even, I even did it so to the point where I wasn't even focused on school and wasn't even engaged really in, the, in a lot of classes. I was really focused on, on kind of my, my mind was outside of school and into the, into the business world at a young age. Hmm. So, I mean, that's definitely interesting. And I mean, this next question may sound facetious, but I really want our listeners to really like deep dive into your thought process, right? So as a kid, you know, you realize that money was just more than money it had valuable, yeah. had value to it. It was an asset. Yeah. So on that journey of figuring out that that was an asset, do you think like that that's currently why you are as successful as you are? Is because at a young age you got that concept quickly and then you pursued it? Yeah, I think that um, my success is is definitely tied to passion. It's t- it's more passion than it is the product knowledge or the, the the subject matter. It's more of that I I that that's so I guess like you I just kind of from a general standpoint, I think that people do things that they care about, you know? So if somebody, for example, is in college and is doing really well or versus somebody who starts a business, whatever the decisions they do, it's based off of how much they care about something, not necessarily how much they know about it, but how much they care because you have to like really care about something before you add knowledge to it, you know, for the most part. So I think it was more of my passion for certain things. And and you're right, you mentioned like, it wasn't just because of money, it was because of what it could do. I saw at a young age that like money tends to be a problem for a lot of people. A lack of it is a problem, too much of it is a problem, you know? So like people always are kind of identifying problems or the roots of problems from, from money. So mm-hmm. I wanted to understand them, you know, back to problem solving. I wanted to understand, you know, how do you solve problems? And I, and I think, and I thought like, if I could figure out a way to fi- figure out the money problem in life, you can figure out other problems because you're, you're still going to, ha- just because you have money doesn't mean you're, you're not going to have any other problems. You're still going to have problems in life. But if you could figure out the money problem, mm-hmm. then you could figure out other problems. It'd be probably, I think, in my opinion, easier to figure out other problems with mm-hmm. money than the opposite. Nice. So w- coming into that, right? So obviously you're, you're hella passionate yeah. about money. You're hella passionate about what you're doing. So let's say I'm completely green. I don't know anything. I, I like, look, I keep my money in a mattress. I'm not putting my, I'm not putting my damn money in no bank. I'm sleeping on, yeah. on a guap, right? Like how would you help someone transition from that? Right. And this kind of goes into a question that I like to ask is like, obviously there's, there's two spectrums, right? There's people that's like, Oh my God, take my money. What yeah. do I do with it? And there's other yeah, people yeah. like, you can't touch my money. My money's my money. How do you deal with those people? And how do you like help them on their journey? Yeah, so I, I start with questions. I want to get to know you. I'm going to ask you questions. Like, for example, I say, um, what are some of your financial goals for 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now? I'm going to want to understand that. I'm going to understand, for example, what what are some, what are you, what do you do for a living? You know, are you self-employed? If you're self-employed, um, how do you see your business growing? Let's say you tell me, you know, for example, um, you want to uh, scale your business up, you want to grow. Then my next question would be, how do you expect to reinvest in your business? Like from From what sources? Is it the source of money that you're, you know, you're sleeping on, on your mattress, or is it, um, you know, from a credit card? And then from there, I guess, through the question, a lot of times, 99% of the times, we're making recommendations through the, the questions that we're asking. So in other words, the clients are saying what they need or want through the questions we're asking, because it, it gives it a different perspective. It gives it a different light. Because for me to say, hey, I say, don't take that, um, uh, don't take that m- money under your mattress, put it in a bank account. I've just jumped across your belief system and I've jumped across your objectives 
and kind of tied it to my objective or what I think about uh, what people should do with money. And I think that, you know, that's obviously going to be an improper solution. Rather, you know, there's, there's some things we need to fill in between there. Your perspective on money, your idea of money, your idea of growing money, your idea of entrepreneurship, your idea of reinvesting back into your business, retirement, all these things take into, must be taken into account, which I think is like what separates a good advisor versus a bad advisor is that the good, good advisor is going to be more focused on the person, the person's goals or objectives, what they want. And then whereas the, the bad, I hate to say it, but the bad advisor is going to be more concerned about, you know, this is the tool, use this, use this, you know, this is the product, use this product, you know, when in reality with financial planning, it's not that simple. It's not that easy. You're not buying, you know, a pizza through an online app. You know what I mean? It's not that simple. You need to, it's, a, it's, it's like going to a doctor for a prescription or going to a lawyer for legal advice or going to your accountant for tax advice, it, it requires more effort on behalf, on behalf of the professional. So that's one hand, right? That's one perspective. On the other hand, right, let's say you have someone that, and, and this, this do the extremities, right? Let's say you have someone and they have $10 in the bank account, and then they're going to look at you dead in your face and say, in the next 10 years, I want to be a billionaire. Now, yeah. I'm not saying it's, it's, it's impossible, but like, how would you handle something like that? Yeah. So I'll ask, you know, <laughs> so you never know what people uh, say. Like what if, for example, somebody gets $10 in their bank account today, they say in 10 years, they want to be a billionaire. Well, what if, you know, we're asking questions as we're asking questions, their parents own a, a multi-million dollar manufacturing company or something like, something like that could come up in a conversation or they're, you know, in the middle of a lawsuit, they're expecting to earn $20 million from a lawsuit from 10 years ago. And anytime they should get that and they want to use that money to roll. So I guess, um, I guess this is more advice for advisors, and that is that anything could happen during the question part of the um, uh, of the talking to clients. It's actually pretty cool because you have no idea when you're talking to clients, you have no idea what's going to happen. So I, I would never assume that if somebody has $10 today and they want it to be a billionaire in 10 years, that it's completely impossible. It's possible. I think that there have been other billionaires in the world that have been in that exact same situation. I think it's going to require a lot more than just ten dollars to a billion. I think there's going to be there's going to have to be some sort of a huge leap, like they've invented some sort of app or they um, something happened that, that kind of took them to leap. But I guess to find that to find that jump or to find that leap, you know, we were, were I'm getting to know the client, get to know the situation, and I'm not going to assume that that's impossible. It's, it's highly probably I think unlikely for that to happen, but it's it's possible, you know. And and I think that you know we talk to clients all the time; they want to become wealthy, you know, and that's our job is to help them get there. Um, and I, and I think that their goals have to be, you know, if they say they want to be wealthy and they want to have these huge goals, they need something to back it up. They need to have, you know, um, high, their activities have to be consistent with their, with their projections, of course. Very nice. Very nice. So, I mean, this is definitely very interesting, right? I mean, obviously I, I would say that you're very optimistic in general, right? And yeah. the reason why like, I was leading you down that path, because, you know, from the time you got on this call, I, I felt like, you know, you were very optimistic going into this conversation. So with that, I'm thinking, okay, you're highly optimistic. You're giving positive information. You're giving positive feedback. Like, what does that really look like as far as the, the scope of the adventure that you're currently on? So if you have a group of people that are highly negative, you have a group of people that may be more subjective to you being optimistic, do you tend to lean on one side of the coin versus another? Yeah, definitely. And I, I think, you know, being optimistic is definitely, uh, I think everybody should be optimistic in some sort of way, like, yeah, it's because life is going to get hard for a lot of people. And I hope I'm answering your question this way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But correct me if I'm wrong, you know. So I, I think that, you know, life should be optimistic. And the reason why is because 
everything we do, everything we get out of this life is based off of what we're thinking about and what we're feeling, you know? So if you're thinking about how do you become the next, you know, multimillionaire or billionaire, and you're thinking about doing big things internationally, helping people, creating a cure, doing something magnificent for people, you're going to get that. And then vice versa, if you're not thinking that way, if you're thinking negatively about the world and about the economy and about markets and things like that, then you're probably, you're going to attract that too. So you get what you think about. If you want great things out of this life, it has to start from your brain and how you believe and how you perceive the world to be and then vice versa you know if you're not doing those things then you're probably going to perceive negative energy from other people you're going to ha- you're going to be around like-minded individuals mm-hmm. and and it's not going to really um, get you to your goals you know I-, I think step one to becoming financially free and, and wealthy is you have to really envision that you already have, you have to see that as being possible already and that it, it is possible other people have done it you can do it because you believe in yourself uh, you're far more capable than you're far more capable than you you actually think you are. So you need to understand those things and, and dream big and think big and and remember you like you get what you think about. Nice, nice, nice. So I mean that's a good segue to like the reality that you know the perception, right? Someone yeah. may be listening to you right now and saying, okay, this guy has his shit together. He he knows what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. They they feel your energy. You know you're, you're spitting out the hot fire, right? Yeah, but. In, in reality, this is not an overnight thing that has happened to you. How long did it take you to get to where you are? Yeah, you're right. It's, uh, you know, I, I'm still getting there. You know, I, I haven't settled, you know, I'm still, I'm still on, I'm still hungry. I'm still hustling and I'm still hungry. And, you know, it, 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 I guess it's, a, I, I don't see myself ever stopping really. Mm-hmm. Uh, it took me, you know, I got an MBA and then, you know, about six years after that of work and entrepreneurship. So it takes time, you know, I think that, you know, uh, one time I was, you know, I, I do some, you know, one of my hobbies, I like to box and I, I was at the gym and this, this guy, one of the trainers there was holding like pads for me. So I was like throwing punches and he was holding pads. And then he was like, all right, I'm going to throw um, a cross at you, mm-hmm. you know, and then you slip to your right. And then I did. And then I went too far to the right. And he's like, look, he's like, you went too far. If you go too far, you won't be able to counter with another punch. If you don't move though, out of the way, you'll get punched in the face. He's like, boxing is a game of inches, not miles. It's, it's about, you know, one inch to the right, one inch to the left. Um, that's how it's not too far, not too little. And I think that life is the same way is that it's a matter of inches, not miles. If you want to be successful, you want to reach your goals. It starts from the smallest tasks, the smallest habits on a daily basis, rather than just trying to find a whole new life in one day, you know? Very nice. I mean, it's a, it's a hell of a philosophy and then the way to think about it, inches versus miles. Yeah. So with that, right. Again, in that one example, you made a mistake and you went a little bit too far outside, yeah. right? Yeah. And again, he corrected you and, and, and guided you on that path. So if you can go back any time in your life, right, and thinking about like the inches versus mile, is there one time that you would want to go back and whisper something in your ears to say, okay, this is one example of you going a mile, go an inch. And what would you say to yourself? Yeah. So I, I when I first, you know, got into this business, when I first got into financial planning, you know, um, I, I, I kept thinking that, you know, just because it's not working now, it's never going to work. You know, and I had those negative doubts and those negative thoughts, you know, and, you know, if I can go back, I would say, you know, it's, 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 you just have to chip it down, you know, instead of trying to do, it's the same thing. Like, for example, in school, like if you had a 30 page, uh, project due or, uh, or essay due and you, um, you know, you, you had three months to do it. Most people are going to wait three months to do it, you know, but if you just did like one page a week, you'd have more time left over, you know? So I think that most things, most things in the world can be accomplished with little effort, you know, a smaller pieces on a daily basis or weekly basis, rather than trying to do everything at once, because sometimes you won't have the ability to do that. You won't have the chance to do a 30 page paper in one day, you know, and the same is true with life. Like you want to have the chance to do, to change everything 
everything in the last minute. So you want to have those gradual habits and those those smaller steps. I, I, I think I came across a lot of times in my life where I didn't reach things because I was trying to um, think, thinking that I could just do it all in a very short period of time. And, and it's actually, you know, it's detrimental to think that way, to think that you could do so much in a very tiny, in a very limited, urgent scarcity, you know, scarce um, uh, amount, of, amount of time. I think that habits are one of the best qualities of humans that we were creatures of habits and habits can either destroy you or help, you know, if you're doing, you know, like, for example, one of my habits that I do is every single day, I write out my priorities. What is it? My business and the projects I'm working on, the top projects. This way, if I come across something else, a new project or something else that's going to deter me from what I'm working on, it's going to stop me from doing this. So I'm not even thinking about it at this point. I'm, I'm reducing the mental efforts and I'm replacing it with a habit, a perpetual habit that keeps going to place. And I've, and I've noticed a lot of successful people do the same thing. They're not, they're not, it's not so much that they're thinking so much and putting so much pressure. They are replacing that with, with systems and processes and habits that are just kind of like, you could be successful in autopilot almost. Nice, nice, nice. I mean, it's definitely interesting that you bring up that, that analogy as well, right? So with your entrepreneurial hustle and your insight, and obviously you're, you're talking about it from two perspectives, it sounds like. It sounds like you're living it, but you're also a byproduct of learning it as well. So did you grow up in an entrepreneurial household? Like, where does this entrepreneurial insight come from? Was it a dad? Was it a mom? Was it, a, you know, an aunt, an uncle? Like, where in historical factors of your life could you think back that you were around an entrepreneur? Yeah, so a lot of a lot of my family members, my parents, a lot of my family members are entrepreneurs. Uh, I grew up to an immigrant family from the Middle East, and a lot of people that were where I grew up in Chicago around us, most most households were entrepreneurs. That was kind of like the only thing they could do. Um, their degrees were in the Middle East. You know, they studied in Arabic, and they couldn't really. They could do. They they could have had professional jobs, but it would it would have been harder to adjust and, and get those jobs. So it was, I guess, I guess more reasonable to become self-employed. And then a lot of, you know, a lot of my friends, their parents were in the same situation, entrepreneurs, a lot of my friends are entrepreneurs. Um, so that's kind of where it came from, a lot of, from, from my environment of where I grew up. Um, and that was one, but I think what really um, pushed me into entrepreneurship, because a lot of, for the, for the same reason, a lot of people who grew up like me were also discouraged from entrepreneurship. Their parents didn't want them to go through the same struggles they went through. So they wanted them to go to school and become doctors and lawyers and engineers and architects and just have safe jobs, you know, high paying W2 jobs, like staying in your lane, you know, not taking, not being too ridiculous with risks by taking, you know, very minimal risks and having the highest reward possible. That's where how a lot of parents around us, you know, raise kids, you know, is that they wanted us to take kind of like live the American dream, you know, and I, and I think that that's, it could be problematic, right? Because the American dream isn't that simple where, you know, you just go to college and you make a lot of money for most people. That's not the situation. That's not the case. And I think entrepreneurship is a great path for that because you can really create your own destiny. So what really pushed me into entrepreneurship was working for entrepreneurs and seeing how they operated on, you know, they were, they became my mentors, they became my coaches. And I really like our DNA started to blend. I started to think like them, walk like them, talk like them. You know, that's where a lot of it came from was, was working in the actual field and, and, and learning from them. Hmm. So, I mean, essentially you look at it like you learned a whole nother language, right? I yeah. mean, and part of that is, a, so you're, you're multilingual as well. I mean, you speak Spanish, I think Arabic and English, and I guess entrepreneur would be number four. You can list that one, but entrepreneurism <laughs> yeah. is a language in itself, right? Mm -hmm. So, like talking about like just family, right? Like currently right now, like you got probably got a lot of things going on, right? And it's probably very demanding, especially when you're talking about financial and mm -hmm. money and leveraging things. So how do you currently juggle like your family life with your work life? 
Yeah, I plan everything. I plan out everything in different ways. Like, for example, the first place it goes is my calendar. So let's say, for example, with this podcast, it was on my calendar, right? Now, the only thing I'm doing is just this podcast. I have a million other things to do, but it's just you and I right now. So I'm blocking it out on this calendar and I do everything else the same way. If I have, for example, a client presentation, it goes on my calendar. If I have to prep for that, that also goes on my calendar. And then what I do is every morning alongside the priority recap, I also take out a, a notebook. And pay, I'm still kind of old school. I use notebook and, and pay, uh, paper and pen. And then I, and I write out all my checklists, you know, from step one through the end of the day of everything from my calendar. This way, I'm not, I'm not having to remember anything. I just go to my calendar and I jot everything down and then I check it off. And the reason why I check it off is because it creates more momentum. It keeps me awake and it keeps things moving or in an orderly fashion because some things i might do that are not on my calendar but like for example sending an email to somebody i'm not going to put that on my calendar i'm just going to do it but at the same time if i have a lot of times things like this will slip between the cracks and i'll like write it in my checklist real quick this way if something else happens i won't forget about it but i can still get it done in, in, a, in a timely fashion so i'm using these tools checklists calendars uh, reminders if somebody tells me, hey, give me a call at four o'clock today or something like that, I'll put an alarm clock. So I'm leveraging tools around me because I don't want everything to just sit in my brain. That creates more anxiety. It creates more stress. I tend to lose track. I think that you know, uh, uh, using Google Calendar and our alarm clock and these different tools and methods are smarter than me. So I'm going to leverage those things and, and keep them out of my brain and keep them into different places. I keep track of everything through CRMs and you know, as many tools as possible. And I also have, I try to time out everything, you know, traffic, you know, I live in Chicago, there's a lot of traffic. Um, my family lives in the suburbs. So there's, you know, it's like, it's very similar to LA and New York. I think LA and New York are a little bit worse than Chicago, but as you know, Atlanta, I know Atlanta's traffic is really bad, um, you know? Uh, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm constantly planning things out and, and it took, that takes time too. It takes time to kind of um, get the hang of it, but you know, I, I anything, you can do anything with practice. Nice, nice. So, I mean, I think you alluded to a couple of different things, right? I mean, you're talking about routines and you're talking about habits. You're talking about taking notes. You're talking about taking action on those notes. Mm -hmm. So what does your morning routines, your morning habits look like? Yeah. So first thing in the morning, um, I'm doing, so I do th typically three things, a checklist, a priority recap. I'm also doing something called a personal financial tracker. This helps, you know, on the financial side. You know, since I'm a financial professional, I'm always talking to people about money. And one thing that I came across when talking to people about money is, a lot of people don't know, like, for example, like they'll say, I have a lot of debt just generally. And, and then when we start getting into it, they're like, oh, I don't remember exactly how many credit cards I, I have a lot. I, the debts are really high. And then we're like, we, we start drilling down on it. We go through the statements. And then that's actually the first time um, in their life where they actually went through all their numbers. And I thought, you know, that's, that's problematic because that's probably a reason why you got into so much debt is because a lack of knowledge, a lack, a lack of financial self-awareness. So I created something called a personal financial tracker. And I didn't create this thing. I didn't invent this. These things are already invented. I just use this thing. It's called a personal financial tracker. I use like a, an Excel sheet, a Google, Google Excel sheet. I write out the day. And then like on one side of it, I have like my checking account savings, like cash value, life insurance, and other assets. And then on the right side of it, I have my debts, like credit card number one, credit card number two, I actually named them like Bank of America ending in five, five, you know, five, whatever. And then I have them listed. And then I write in the debt for that day. And then also how much I have in checking, how much I have in Bitcoin, how much I have in savings. And, and then there's a sum for assets and a sum for, for debt. And then I, I have in the middle of it, like an objective, like reduce debt by this much or, or expect income from here or whatever the case might be. And now throughout the day, I have this thing and I, and I do this every single day. So I know my numbers properly. If you ask me how much debt I have, boom, I know. If you ask me how much I have in cash value, I know, I know these numbers very clearly because I spend 10 minutes every single morning, seven days a week, putting in the right numbers. People might think it's redundant. Like you, you're going to do this every single day. 
I think the stronger you measure something, the more likely you are to control it. So the more likely you are to measure your financials, the more likely you are to control them in the sense of reducing debt, increasing income, increasing savings, and actually getting to your financial goals that way. Nice, nice. I mean, I think you're very, very astute when it, when it comes to that, right? And to your point, not only are you astute, but you're willing to commit to doing that action every single day so you can get the right results. So my next question is a three-part question, like based upon that philosophy, right? Obviously, that philosophy is not something that you just wake up on a random Tuesday and say, yeah. hey, I'm going to check my numbers every day. It hasn't been like a learned trait, learned philosophy, or something that you've tested before. So first part of this question is like, what books have you read on your journey to help you get to where you are? Second part of this question is what books are you reading right now to excel? And the third part of this question is like, have you had an opportunity to author or write any books as of yet? Yeah. So um, books have been a major part of my life. Um, I really started to read books after I graduated with my bachelor's degree. That's when I started to read books for my own, like on my own terms. Everything else I read before that was just for school and for projects and things like that. But uh, after college, that's when I started to read for fun, especially books about business, sales, marketing, psychology, self-help. Um, and that, that's been, a, that's had a huge impact on my life. I got to the point where I was like addicted to reading books. I would read three books at the same time. What I would do is back to the inches is that instead of just trying to cram a whole book, I would just read 10 pages a day. And when I would read 10 pages a day, I was flying through books because I, you know, I was always reading and some books I read, you know, rich dad, poor dad, um, think and grow rich, uh, how to win friends, influence people. High uh, performance, ha- uh, high performing habits. All these books, you know, are I've, I probably got maybe I don't know five or ten percent from each book, but somehow they're I apply them every day, you know, subconsciously. And I think that's that's one of the, the the strongest objectives of reading books is to apply everything, you know, subconsciously. You want it like in your language, you know, uh, to speak that language, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. And then some books that I'm reading right now, uh, the Black Swan, which talks about the Black Swan theory. Like for example, COVID. That that that's like a Black Swan. It was always there. But, you know, and then once it happened, that's all we saw. Uh, I'm reading that book. It's a, it's a lot about economics and it kind of ties into what I talk about with clients on a daily basis of, of safe, safe, safety growth and safety of principle. And then um, I am writing a book called Thinking Like a Bank. I, it's, my show is called Thinking Like a Bank. And the, pod, the, the book I'm writing is called Thinking Like a Bank. It should be ready maybe like in a month. Um, and then, yeah, and then I, I, I want to keep writing more books. I want to partner, like co-author books with like accountants and lawyers and talk about financial strategies, like using the bank on yourself concept um, alongside, you know, legal and tax uh, strategies. Since I'm not an attorney or an accountant, uh, I think that those two would, be, would go hand in hand. I mean, yeah, I think definitely authoring books are, it's just like, it's a like gateway drug. I mean, like when I, I remember when I authored my first book, it was like, all right, cool. It took you forever to write it. Like, and I just recently published my eighth book. So by the time I got to oh, my nice. book between my first book, it was just kind of like, to your point earlier, systems are in place. Yeah. And then you kind of transition into creating so much content. It almost, it's like a, a curse not for you to deliver that content to other people, if that makes sense. So I oh, definitely yeah. commend you on that journey. And I mean, I'm looking forward to, to seeing when that book comes out. And I think you definitely got a good philosophy behind it. So Thank part you. of that, right? So part, part of your journey, right? You talk about future tape is that in the next 20 years, you're, you're obviously going to write more than one book. You, you're yeah, first yeah. focusing on first one. So where do you see yourself 20 years from now? 20, 20 years from now, I see myself running a, na- a national not-for-profit organization um, that helps people in all 50 states for free, entirely for free. So somebody, for example, who's going through bankruptcy, somebody who's going through foreclosure, somebody who's going through uh, an eviction, student loans, credit card debts, any problems that you have, any financial problems that you have, 
We, you know, one of my goals is to have this not-for-profit organization that's going to help them entirely for free. Our only revenue will be through donations. I know nothing about starting not-for-profit organizations, but I think that's going to be enough time for me to learn and, and understand how that works. And I want it to be accessible and, and professional help too. I think um, there's a major disconnection between uh, you know, people in low-income areas and then getting adequate financial advice because financial advice costs a lot of money. So it's, it's in, in the eyes of a lot of uh, financial professionals, it doesn't make sense to help people of low income because how else would they make money? So I want to solve that, bridge that problem by getting rid of the financial incentive to help people by making it into a not-for-profit organization. The same way how you would go to other not-for-profit organizations for help, I want to kind of connect that to financial services and have professional help too, not like cheaper, just because it's free, it's going to be less quality. I want it to be the same quality as other, you know, as, as if you were paying for that, uh, but through donations and other other incentives like that. Nice, nice, very, very nice. So let's talk about like tools for a little bit, right? I mean, yeah, obviously yeah. in the financial sector, there's a million different tools, whether you're leveraging like 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 you said earlier, talking about Excel spreadsheets. Yeah. You can be talking about banking ledgers. You can be talking about, you know, just understanding market sectors and, and what to invest and how to invest. What software do you use on a daily basis that you would not be able to do what you do without having access to? Yeah, so number one, CRM, a client really customer relation manager. So this is like where I keep all my notes, it has my reminders, it attaches files. Without that, it'd be very difficult because how else think about it, you know, how else would I be able to manage what five hundred people are saying, you know, from uh their documents to what you know if somebody asked me, hey, can you research the last, you know, 20 years interest rates for this for this company? You know, how, you know, the CRM would be is, is the best way for me to uh, manage that. I want everything like out of my brain and, you know, in tools. So CRM is number one. Uh, number two, um, let's see, um, the, all the platforms I use for the insurance companies, you know, it would be almost impossible for me to calculate all the rates and everything. So I use those tools on a daily basis. Uh, let's see. Um, and then obviously calendar, all the basic stuff, the calendar. Um, um, I use uh, so many tools, I can't think of them right now. There's another tool that tracks risks of of, of, uh, uh, of your assets. So for example, it could be on a risk of one to 99, one being like, you know, a checking account, that's going to be the lowest risk. And then 99 being like you own individually own tech stocks, you know, that's going to be the highest risk. So I have a tool that measures the, the risk level of that. We have another tool that we use to value businesses, how much they're worth based off of, you know, the revenue and where they're located and real estate and other things like that. So those are some of the tools that we use on a daily basis. Oh. Nice, nice. So, I mean, I mean, with that, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of different tools to, to get the job done to what you're yeah. doing, right? So, coming from the client standpoint, earlier on, we talked about like like the negative versus the positive. If you had to paint an like an ideal avatar of your customer, yeah. who would that person be? What would they look like? I mean, what kind of personality would they have? Yeah, so ideal person, um, they would probably be between the age of maybe 35 and like 55. They could be a little bit, I, I don't discriminate, obviously, so they could be any age, but ideally 35 to 55, um, married, have kids, um, live in the United States in one of, at least one of the 50 states, um, I, uh, business owners, self-employed or real estate investors. And they kind of just want, I think the most important thing is they want a lot more out of life. They want to take the unconventional way. They want to kind of think outside the box and not just stay in this in this world of shoulds and think of you know what they want. You know, So a lot of people, and the reason why I mentioned that is a lot of people will say like, or, you know, I'm, you know, 35 years old, I should own a home by now. So that in other words, they're buying that home because of a belief system, because the word should is from a belief system. And they're putting themselves into this belief category where I should do certain things based off of my age, and based off of other factors, 
when in reality, it should be about your want, you know? And a lot of people think that's unusual, like that we're going to base something off your want, mm-hmm. which leads to another thing, because people say that it's a, it should be your needs first. And I think that your wants are more important than your needs. If you want to really get into it, I think that every need comes from a want, but I think that's a whole separate, <laughs> that's a whole separate philosophical conversation. But I think that your wants should be, you should take care of your wants. You should emphasize on that. You should get comfortable saying, you know, I want, you know, a big house. I want to be wealthy. I want to make, you know, $5 million a year. You should, you should be fluent in, in, in the want language, you know? So I, 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 that's who I want to work with. Nice. Nice. And I think that's very parallel to like the, the, the aspect of being a positive thinker, right? And yeah. the more positivity you put into it, the more that becomes a reality because that's what you're thinking about versus the negative side. So giving words of wisdom, like an insightful parting, right? Let's say someone is listening to this podcast and they're hearing yeah. what, what you're saying. And to your point, they may have the non-want. They may say, I need, or all these other different way of describing what you're trying to get them to understand, what words of wisdom would you give them to insightfully change their viewpoint to more of a wanting spectrum? Yeah, I think so. In most situations, life is going to stop you from reaching your goals and, and your objectives in life. It's going to, most for most people in most situations, things get in the way. So I think you should always multiply your goals by, you know, at least 10 times, you know, as, you know, Grant Cardone says, you 10x your goals, you know, through the book 10x, the 10x rule, because things are always, you never want your goals to be reachable. You want to multiply them by 10, 10 times at least. Um, and then even if you're left with half of that, you're still, you know, five times greater than when, where you were. So you want to, you know, um, it goes back to what I mentioned earlier. You get what you think about. If you set your goals too low, you'll get those low goals. If you set your goals too high, you'll get you'll get more goals than you expect than than you originally intended on. So uh, you get what you think about. If you are focusing on your wants and big wants too, uh, you're more likely to get that. And I think that life is too short just to focus on the simple needs. I think that when you say like when you differentiate what you need from what you want, it tends to be obviously the need is going to be a little bit more urgent, more important than the want. But I think you know when you focus on the when you keep focusing on the needs you're limiting yourself to what you can achieve. So in other words, people say like, you know, because people want to justify what they want. So they'll say, I need a, I need a job that pays $120,000 a year because my expenses are X amount and because my savings goals are X amount. So I, I need that job. When in reality, you could replace the, the word need with want. You want a job that pays you $120,000. Technically, you don't need any amount of money, you want that certain amount of money. And again, this goes back to what I said earlier. Um, every need is based off of a want. You know, think about it. Um, you need to support your family. No, actually, you want to support your family. You know what I mean? So that's something that you want to do. You want to be involved in the life. You want to support their family. You know, you want this. You know, you need a job. Actually, you want this job. You want this business. So really, I think focusing on the wants is, is far more important and could actually help you and, and, and those around you more when you're focusing on the wants. Nice, nice. So, I mean, with that, I mean, how does someone find you? I mean, obviously, you're a young dude, right? Are you on social media? Do you have a website, YouTube channel? Like, you have a podcast? Like, list them off. Yeah, definitely. So, um, website is finassetprotection.com, F-I-N, assetprotection.com. You can go there. You can download a free copy of, of a book called Becoming Your Own Banker by Nelson Nash, which is the core of what we help clients with. So, Becoming Your Own Banker by Nelson Nash, you can download that on uh, finassetsprotection.com. You can check out our podcast. It's called Thinking Like a Bank. It's on all the major platforms. You can actually go to thinkinglikeabank.com too. It's on, it's on all the platforms, on YouTube. 
Um, you can connect me on LinkedIn. My LinkedIn account is connected to my website, finassetprotection.com. You can find me there. Um, and then, yeah, those are, the, those are the best places. From from the website, finassetprotection.com, you can find me everywhere else from there. Nice, nice. So we're going to go into a couple of bonus questions. Yeah. Right? So if you could be a superhero, who would it be and why? Uh, superhero... Um... Batman just to being able to you know attack so to take care of so many things and to be able to help so many people and like crime wise I think that's pretty cool nice nice okay I got another one for you right if you could spend 24 hours with anyone dead or alive uninterrupted for those 24 hours who would it be and why Elon Musk because I want to see how he thinks I want to see the decisions he's making on a daily basis I want to I want to, I want to, and I know for a fact that if I spent 24 hours with Elon Musk, my entire life would change after that because um, I, even if I get one thing from him, that one thing would probably lead to, if not becoming a billionaire, at least a, a multimillionaire for sure. Yeah, yeah. But I got that question asked to me before, and, and it used to be Einstein, and then obviously in the past few years, it's been more and more leaning towards Elon. I mean, just everything he's done from like, PayPal to electric cars to space, solar panels, SpaceX. SpaceX. <laughs> I mean, the dude is like, he's like a hundred years ahead of everyone right now. So it's yeah. crazy. So, I mean, in closing of the podcast, man, I always, uh, your fellow podcaster, man, I would love to give you the microphone, make you the host of the show. Any questions that you may have for me? Yeah, definitely. Why did you start this podcast? So this is, it's funny that I always get this question indirectly in different ways, right? So, I mean, obviously I've had multiple different careers and I've, I've lived multiple different lives and everything just caught up to me. I was pretty much a workaholic and I had a stroke in 2018 yeah. and almost died. So when I came out that stroke and I woke up and I was just kind of like, okay, I did all these different things and I've achieved a lot, but what am I really leaving behind as far as a legacy or breadcrumbs for like my family or for other entrepreneurs? So that kind of put me down the path of rebranding myself. That's when I was really becoming more of an author. And I was like, you know what? My, like my wife, my current wife right now, she was like, it's time for you to step in front of the camera and do what yeah. you've been doing for everyone else, start doing for yourself. So I, I started marketing and branding myself as SA and I created the Boston Cage brand. And that brand is essentially designed to help entrepreneurs like you and myself and other people that may come after us to have these breadcrumbs to listen and to follow and take action and also to leave behind for like my grandkids and my kids as well. Okay. And then what's a day in the life for SA? Day in the life essay, man, is, you know, waking up early, I'm like my, my hours, they fluctuate. Like I'm still trying to level out. So some days I wake up four o'clock on the late side. Maybe I wake up 630, but it's usually between four to 630 a.m. And I'll get up and unlike what most people, they say, don't touch your phone. The first thing I'm going to do is I'll put on my, my glasses and I'll activate Alexa and I'll listen to an audio book. And while I'm listening to that audio book, I may brush my teeth and then I'll probably look at like, um, a post for the day. I like to, you know, I have a lot of automated posts, but every once in a while I like to sprinkle in like my own custom thoughts right then and there in the moment. So I'll mm -hmm. go and do something manual along those lines. And then, you know, usually like around nine o'clock is when I really start either recording podcast episodes or talking to clients. But that first three to four hours is just me executing what I want to execute, learning something new about whatever book that I'm reading at that point in time, and then just leveraging the marketing strategy that I have for that day. Love it. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Well, I mean, I definitely appreciate you coming on the show. I mean, I think it was definitely a great episode. I think your, your energy is through the charts, man. I love it. So Thank you. I Thank say you. Keep, you too. keep pushing that forward and keep moving it, man. So again, I appreciate you being on the show today. Yeah, thank you. Keep up the good work. I appreciate it. Yeah, anytime, man. S.A. Grant, over and out.
Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Boss Uncaged. I hope you got some helpful insight and clarity to the diverse approach on your journey to becoming an Uncaged Trailblazer. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast. If this podcast has helped you or you have any additional questions, reach out and let me know. Email me at ask at sagrant.com or drop me your thoughts via a call or text at 762-233-BOSS. That's 762-233-2677. I would love to hear from you. Remember, to become a boss in cage, you have to release your inner beast. S.A. Grant, signing off. Listeners of Boss Uncaged are invited to download a free copy of our host, S.A. Grant's insightful ebook, Become an Uncaged Trailblazer. Learn how to release your primal success in 15 minutes a day. Download now at www.bossuncaged.com forward slash free book.